Welcome back, everybody, to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. Oh, yeah. I am, oh, I am Lisa Linky. Oh, yeah. And across from me on my Zoom interface is the lovely and talented, (laughs) jealous much, the lovely and talented Misty Stennett. You're hearing her in your ear holes, but I'm seeing her in my eye holes and hearing her in my ear holes. I just feel like there's too much talk about holes right now. Anybody else? Never. Okay. Never. Let's start in with the Shia LaBeouf movie. And this is, (laughs) if you're here for the very first time, welcome. We're about to change your life. But this in a is really small incremental comedy- way. <laughs> <laughs> this is the comedic podcast where we read and review a popular self-help book every week, every Friday on our Full Frontal Friday episodes. And we talk about the goods, the bads, the yays, the boos, the the insights and the decites, the mm-hmm. outsights, the blindness of, of what, what this author has brought to the table. Heads up, Misty is adept and adroit at finding the really good stuff out of even like a flaming pile of poop. And I assume every book is immediately a flaming pile of poop. So we're coming at it from two ends of the spectrum and we meet in the middle. But this is a way that you can get, you know, the main points of the book in under an hour and really keep your busy life full of of, of the self-help tips that you've been craving or that someone in your family has just been begging for you yeah. to, to intake. A golden nugget of wisdom. You can dip it in the sauce of enlightenment and take a bite. Thank you. And then on Tuesdays, we follow up with our weekly beef, which is where we have a supplemental episode, maybe a thought-provoking question or a special guest or an article or some trivia where we do once a year some trivia. Or <laughs> but it's so good maybe, when we do. <laughs> uh, anything, <laughs> we, it is delightful. Or just anything that's dealer's choice. And then now we have on our Patreon, the deep dive, which is where we will follow up on homework in a more intimate way than we have in the past. So get ready for us to share some intimacy on our uh, videoed episodes up on Patreon. So you can check that out. Yeah. And the Patreon is a really cool way that we've set up to better connect with all of you. And it's a way for you to also support the podcast for just a few dollars a month. It's like three bucks is the lowest tier, which is great. But we are calling it a deep dive because we are going to get more personal and more candid. Mm -hmm. And it's a non-edited conversation between Lisa and I Mm -hmm. about trying things from these self-help books, which as you know, our long-term loyal listeners, not an easy feat all the time. Sometimes self-help, we have both burst into tears because of homework. We have both had big epiphanies because of homework or really resisted it. We're really excited to connect in a more meaningful way on the deep dives. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, let's jump in. Misty, what are you bringing to us this week? Oh, my sweet babies. I was trying that on. How did it feel? My sweet babies. Felt felt great. Good, good. I'm going to cradle you in the the soft nook of friendship. Uh Uh-oh. I know she goes, "Uh uh-oh. I didn't know where it was going either. This week, I am bringing you the New York Times bestseller, Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski, PhD, and Amelia Nagoski, DMA. Yes, DMA, DM us. No, this is exciting. (laughs) We've had this recommended to us by so many listeners. If you recommended it, thank you. 
We ourselves wanted to read this after you covered Come as um, you are. The surprising right. new science that will transform your sex life. It is the vagina book, <laughs> but it's so much more. The cover looks like a vagina. Nope. Yes. The cover looks and like a vulva, which is what we discovered in that book. Excuse me. I just <laughs> got vulvified. So we're very, I'm, I'm so excited that you tackled this. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. And at our live event, Happy-ish Hour, our first live event at the beginning of December last year, if you can believe it, listener on that event also recommended we read this book. And it's it's just so necessary and validating right now. And we also reviewed Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are, which I'll link to in show notes below. That was a wonderful book, also a New York Times bestseller, which is incredible. So if I were to sum up what this book is about in one sentence, I'm using a version of what was listed on the Amazon page about the book because I thought it did a really good job. This book explains why women experience burnout differently than men and provides a science-based plan to help women minimize stress, manage emotions, and live a more joyful life. Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that nice? It's a that's a big promise. It's a big and does she deliver? Well, stay tuned to find out, Liz. Not <laughs> Thank you. nobody's gonna wanna buy the whole friggin' ice cream truck <laughs> if you're giving away the popsicles for free. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't want to buy ice cream if you get a free popsicle? Listen. Me. Yeah, exactly. I think that was from some movie about a woman's sexuality. What was that from? Who can know? Not, they say about nobody wants to buy the cow if you give the milk away for free. Oh, my God. So now we're just cattle? That feels right. Have you never heard that? Mm-mm. I'm so much older than you. Mm-hmm. All right. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So hardcover is $27. <laughs> Thank you. It is that kind of book. The paperback is $15.64 on bookshop.org. The Kindle's $11.99. The audiobook is $28 on Libro.fm if you buy it a la carte, or it's $14.95 if you have a monthly membership. So Libro.fm is really comparable to Audible, but it supports local bookstores. And on the yeah. Overdrive, and it's a little more flexible than Audible. Exactly. And on the Overdrive app, it is free if it's available yep. in your local library. But also, there's always a long wait. So if you're willing to wait, great. Okay. Mm-hmm. So very first impressions. This book is super practical, and it was published in March of 2019. So it is filled with the latest science. Mm-hmm. Although I am curious to see, like what the pandemic has to say about burnout, you know, and surge capacity and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it'll be interesting what kind of research comes out in the next couple of years from this. Yes, and by interesting, you mean deeply depressing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do mean interesting because I think that in some ways, I think a lot of us will have had a reset on how we view the world. And mm-hmm. so like a lot of us will continue to work from home. You yeah. know, a lot of us will be able to work around the world. So I'm excited to see how we kind of adjust or go right back to where we were yeah. before and yeah, fuck yeah, it yeah. all up. And what the new challenges are. Thank you so much, world. <laughs> Keep on giving. So how many pages is it? I'm so glad you asked. The book book is 304 pages, at least the paperback. And the audiobook is seven hours and one minute. Misty, just for our new people. Oh, yeah. Our new oh, welcome. Hi. pocket friends. Hi. We're always Misty in your pocket. Misty doesn't <laughs> usually read the book. She I just guess what it's about based on title. 
And as a special hint, she usually listens to it on 1.5 because Misty is a smart woman and uh-huh. she is operating on like 1.5 speed in her normal Listen, life. it's not even that. It's that one-time speed. They read it like this. So burnout- most people read. Yeah. Sure, but when people talk, I like to hear it at the speed at which people talk. And I want to hear somebody say, so burnout's like this, Right. So that's why I'm not crazy. You're crazy. It's amazing. I'm okay, so you listen fine. to it in like four and a half hours. No, I no. I, honestly, they do speak like normal people. So I listen to it on one point two. Okay, I know. you're welcome. So it's read by the authors, and they switch off reading chapters, and they're they're sisters. They're identical twins. Yeah. And so, do they sound the same? No. They don't. I mean, they have a certain timbre. Their voice boxes are not identical. It's not that. (laughs) It's not that. It's that our voices are so shaped by our level of people-pleasing, our level of comfort, our level of anxiety. Think about when you wake up in the morning and you're totally relaxed and like your voice is lower and you've got that sexy voice, you know, or when you're sick. I don't know what you're talking about, Exactly. But anyway, so many external social factors affect our voice. And as somebody who loves to study voice and was a teacher's assistant for a few voice classes, I really nerd out on this, but that's another episode. So they are so delightful and charming so easy to listen to. And something that really stood out to me immediately about this book were the caveats. They talk about, at the very beginning, how science works. I'm telling you. It's not that hard. I know. It is not that hard. And I I might even say, it's just that simple. (laughs) It's just that easy. And I noticed it's tending to be a female author who, who gives a caveat. Oh, yeah. Who gives a caveat. That is the next name of our new podcast. Anyway, let's get to the book, people. The caveat they give at the start is, hey, here's how science works and how scientific studies get funded. And there's flaws in that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. for example, like the beef industry funding a study of what foods are good for your heart, <laughs> you know, yeah. will influence the outcome of the foods that people say are good for the heart. You know, the sugar industry. It can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It can. um, Yeah. yeah. Or just the fact that, you know, medicine is typically studied on 150-pound white men. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So because this is such a research-backed, science-backed book, they just say at the top, hey, here's how some of the studies work. Here's how some of the science in the past has been formed. And also... The vast majority of the science in this book relates to people who were born with a body that made everyone else in the delivery room go, it's a girl, and who then grew up with those societal expectations and conditioning. Because this is a self-help book for women, right? So they acknowledge and lament that there is a dearth of research on trans women and burnout. And so that's the reason they haven't really included specific chapters about that. There's just not enough research right, to back it up right now. So a little bit about the authors. Emily Nagoski has a PhD in health behavior with a minor in human sexuality from Indiana University. 
and an MS in my alma mater. Go Big Red! Go Big Red, the stick of gum that is the mascot. Nope. She also has an MS in counseling from IU, including a clinical internship at the Kinsey Institute Sexual Health Clinic. She has been a sex educator for 25 years and is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Come As You Are, the surprising new science that will transform your sex life, which again, we'll link to in show notes. She lives in Western Massachusetts with a strange cat, two dogs, and a cartoonist. (laughs) Dr. Amelia Nagoski is a conductor and music professor, and which jobs her responsibilities include running around, waving her arms, and making funny noises, and generally doing whatever it takes to help singers get in touch with their internal experiences. Her students have described her as passionate, positive, and boundlessly enthusiastic. In her teaching, performing, and writing, she focuses on connections between art and the experience of being alive in the world with the expectation that understanding music can help us understand ourselves and each other. She is the identical twin sister of Emily Nagoski, PhD. All right, so here's a teaser of the book, also from the Amazon webpage. Burnout. Many women in America have experienced it. What's expected of women and what it's really like to be a woman in today's world are two very different things, and women exhaust themselves trying to close the gap between them. How can you love your body when every magazine cover has 10 diet tips for becoming your best self? How do you lean in at work when you're already operating at 110% and aren't recognized for it? How can you live happily and healthily in a sexist world that is constantly telling you you're too fat, too needy, too noisy, and too selfish? Sisters Emily Nagoski, PhD, and Amelia Nagoski, DMA, are here to help end the cycle of feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. Instead of asking us to ignore the very real obstacles and societal pressures that stand between women and well-being— They explain with compassion and optimism what we're up against and show us how to fight back. In these pages, you'll learn what you can do to complete the biological stress cycle and return your body to a state of relaxation, how to manage the monitor in your brain that regulates the emotion of frustration, how the bikini industrial complex makes it difficult for women to love their bodies and how to defend yourself against it, why rest, human connection, and befriending your inner critic are keys to recovering and preventing burnout. That's amazing. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? And uh, here we go, closing the loop. They do deliver. You're welcome. By oh, the nice. book. Yup. So with the help of eye-opening science, prescriptive advice, and helpful worksheets and exercises, all women will find something transformative in these pages and will be empowered to create positive change. Emily and Amelia aren't here to preach the broad platitudes of expensive self-care or insist that we strive for the impossible goal of having it all. Instead, they tell us that we are enough, just as we are, and that wellness, true wellness, is within our reach. Oh, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. Great. I thought it sounded, when I picked it up, I was like, oh, thank God. Like, thank God, because I feel like, oh, I mean, you and I host a self-help podcast and we struggle all the time with wellness and like, what is the right amount of self-care and what's this? And, you know, kind of balancing it all. And it's like, I just picked it up and was like, oh, this sounds legit. So yeah. the way the book is structured really meets the audience. It's divided into three parts. Part one, what you take with you. Part two, the real enemy. And part three, wax on, wax off. And I'm going to cover some of the main ideas that stood out to me, but please know that this book has so much more to offer than what we are able to cover in this episode. And 
the book really, really meets the audience it's written for because every single chapter has a TLDR at the end, which on the internet means too long, didn't read. And it's a brief summary of all the main points in the chapter. So it's super helpful for someone who is actively experiencing burnout. So I want to start really quickly by defining burnout. Burnout is a cycle of feeling exhausted and overwhelmed by everything you have to do and still feeling like you're not doing enough. And women experience burnout in different ways than men because the expectations placed on us by society are different. And that's why this is billed as a self-help book for women, although I really think it could help people who identify as all genders. So burnout, as I probably have to say for none of you, can cause stress, anxiety, and emotional exhaustion. It can also cause depersonalization, which is when you find that your capacity for compassion, empathy, and caring is depleted. So this has happened to me so many times where I'm like, I know I should give a shit, but I just don't. You know, and that can be a big sign of burnout. Another component of burnout is a decreased sense of accomplishment, the feeling that nothing you do matters. And burnout can happen when you get stuck in an emotional experience like stress. You can think of an emotional experience like a tunnel. It starts, then you're in the middle of it, and then it ends. But when you're experiencing the same emotion all day, every day, there's no satisfying end to that feeling. So you get stuck in this emotional tunnel with no relief. And the authors say that when this happens with stress, stress is not actually bad for you. Getting stuck is what's bad for you. And when it comes to the effects that stress has on your body, getting stuck for too long in a stressful state can literally kill us. And they talk about, you know, how your blood pressure increases, your heart rate goes up, your cortisol, all of these fight or flight emotions. And when we live in that chronically, it can actually kill us slowly. So this is why they start the book off talking about how to complete the stress cycle. So right at the top of the first part of the book, they say that this might be the most important part of the book. And for our listeners or readers that have heard our episode reviewing Come As You Are or have read that book, you'll have heard some of this before. But I think it is an important reminder and it could be pivotal for for those who have not heard it before. So dealing with your stress is a separate process from dealing with the things that cause your stress, right? So like you might have a, a fight with your spouse and that is a stressor. And you might make up from the fight and you've dealt with the stressor, but your body has still been activated in this stress cycle. Say back in caveman times, we were being chased by a lion. And that initiated the stress response. So our adrenaline goes up, we get ready to fight or flight or maybe freeze. And so in a normal world, we would run away from the lion and then we'd know we're safe. And then our body would complete the stress cycle. The threat is gone. We've gotten the stress hormones out of our system by that physical activity, running. running or fighting. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's it's done. We've completed the cycle. But- In the modern world, we do not know the difference between a lion and a scary conversation with their boss at work. Yes. (laughs) Or public speaking or traffic in the morning, right? So in, in the modern world, we are getting activated into a stress cycle 
consistently, almost all day mm-hmm. long, you know, seven days of the week mm-hmm. in some way or another. So if we are not dealing with this accumulation of stress in our bodies, it can chronically make us ill and lead to burnout. So how do we complete the stress cycle if we are getting activated into this highly stressful state all the time? Here are a few of the ideas that they point out. Physical activity. Literally any movement of your body is the first line of attack in the battle against burnout. This can be running or fighting, just like you would if you were with a lion. Think like a boxing class, running down the street, swimming, dancing, jumping up and down, yoga, anything that physically moves your body. But what I love so much is that these two women, these very smart women who wrote this book, always are being inclusive. So they say for those who hate or cannot exercise, something you can do is progressively tense and then release all the muscles in your body, starting with your feet and ending with your face. And you can physically imagine while you're doing this, destroying the stressor, even if that's like punching someone who aggravated you in the face, right? They walk you through exactly how to do this in the book. You can take deep, slow breaths in for five, hold for five, out for 10, hold for five, and repeat that for a minute. Meditating completes the stress cycle. Crying is a huge, huge completer of the stress cycle. So if you've ever heard anybody say crying doesn't fix anything, they're so wrong because it actually (laughs) has this enormous regulation of your hormones. Creative expression like dance, painting, making music, singing, writing, kissing someone for six seconds, hugging someone for 20 seconds. But the key though, and this is something I didn't realize from Come As You Are, the key is that if we have a lot of uncompleted stress cycles built up in our system, say we're not used to doing this and there's years and years in there, we do have to complete them all. So sometimes, mm-hmm. so you can't just do it once. Exactly. So if you're like, but I've been running and painting and singing for three weeks, why am I still anxious? Just recognize that it's going to take some time before your body fully moves into relaxation. So all you need to do is recognize that you feel incrementally better than before you started. So if you say, like, okay, my stress was at an eight out of 10, you know, three weeks ago, and now it's at a six out of 10, awesome. Keep doing it. Keep giving yourself that gift. And something that was really helpful in this book is the way that the authors define wellness. So I think people talk about wellness all the time, and they don't really say what that is, but it seems like it's some kind of like perpetual state of like, I've got my shit together, you know? It's very vague. Yeah, it's really vague, right? And even in the book, they're like, it feels like it's something that like only people with like time and money and a yacht and Oprah's phone number get to achieve. <laughs> but they define wellness like this. Wellness is not a state of being. It's a state of action. To be well is not to live in a state of perpetual safety and calm, but to move fluidly from a state of adversity, risk, adventure, or excitement back to safety and calm and then out again. So remember, stress is not bad for you. Being stuck is bad for you. And wellness happens when your body is a place of safety for you, even when your body is not in a safe place. So you can be well even during the times when you don't feel good. And this felt 
so validating and reframing what wellness can look like and feel like because I have been crying so much this week and have felt, quite frankly, a bit embarrassed about how much I've been crying. But now I go, oh my gosh, I'm actually really well because I'm letting the stress move through me and out of me and completing the stress cycle. And I'm going back and forth between like feeling these big emotions and then like relaxing and then crying some more and then eating and then crying while eating. It's fine. They also talk about tactics to handle frustration, like planful problem solving for things that you can control. And they explain what that is in the book and positive reappraisal for things you can't control. And I think a lot of this was touched on in our review of Man's Search for Meaning. Like, how do you make meaning out of your suffering? And if you're like, what can I learn from this? They also talk about how to know when to give up and strategies that can help you make that decision. And I'd never heard that before because so many people in America are like, oh, you gave up on a goal or a dream? Like, you're a failure, right? But that's not true, Yeah, we talked about that in another book. Remember when they were talking about the guy who rode his bike from Europe to Everest as Mm. preparation and training Mm -hmm. and then got within 30 feet of the summit and turned around Yeah, because bad weather was coming and all the people who didn't died? Yes, I remember that. What book was that? That's interesting. I'll have to think about that. It'll come to me. Why can't I remember either? Because it was good. Maybe it was the upside of your dark side. It was talking about like, it's okay to give I up. think it, yeah, I think it might've been. And also like, you know, we can deal with the stress, but sometimes we do need to deal with the stressor and go like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, maybe working a Wall Street job 19 hours a day is not good yeah. for me and I need to give up, you know, and try yeah. something different. It was either that or Atomic Habits. That's my bet. If you know better, write us and tell Listen, us. Listen, LLLs. Help us <laughs> right in it. Maybe some of you have just recently listened to this, so yeah. you know better than we. We can't yeah. remember. Exactly. So chapter three is all about meaning and engaging with a greater purpose outside of ourselves. They also name something that I'd never heard of before called human giver syndrome. And it comes up for the first time in this chapter. And it is specific, usually, to those who identify as women. So human givers... people pleaser? Yep, basically. So it's human giver syndrome is a set of cultural beliefs and behaviors that insist that some people's only meaning in life comes from being pretty, happy, calm, generous, and attentive to the needs of others. And they say that most people, you know, there's this kind of unnamed thing in society where there are human beings and then there are human givers. And the human being's purpose and meaning is to be and do whatever they want with their life. And the human givers are meant to give everything to the human beings, even at the expense of their own well-being. And they break down how this in particular can lead to burnout for women and offer some really powerful reframes and steps you can start to take to heal your human giver syndrome. Especially when we feel like, oh, just like taking a night to take a bath is selfish if you have kids, you know? Like, what the fuck is that? So that's the first part of the book. And that, you may have noticed, was all about our internal experience. Mm -hmm. And as they move into the second part of the book, Lisa, shit gets real. So you 
would love this book. They say that the stress response cycle, your internal monitor, and meaning are all resources you carry with you into the battle against the real enemy that's causing your burnout. And what's the real enemy? Men. It's patriarchy. And <gasps> it is patriarchy. I wasn't wrong. I mean, I was wrong, but <laughs> not, I wasn't wrong. There are amazing. Sorry, I just moved and my boob hit my mic. <laughs> she was so excited. They were flopping up and down. It was great. My boobs are fighting the patriarchy. <laughs> that feels right. That feels so bam, right. Bam, hit that mic. And I love their sense of humor when they talk about the patriarchy. Every time they say the word patriarchy in the audiobook, they say, ugh. So they go, and with the patriarchy, ugh, because they know it's something that's talked about so often and that it's like kind of this cliche of like, oh, of course you're going to talk about the patriarchy, but also it's gross. <laughs> but it's so real. <laughs> and so they're all like, oh, sorry. So chapter four is called The Game is Rigged. And they say, "Thank you." I exactly. I, I want to say for our listeners who identify as male, this is not against you, because we assume that you are allies to women and mm-hmm. that you understand that the patriarchy is a system. Not only is a system, but that it it is a negative uh, effect on everybody. You also suffer from the patriarchy. Oh, everybody yeah. suffers from the patriarchy. It doesn't allow men to be whole. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. allow women's needs to get met. And we're all suffering, which we learned from your beautiful two-part review of For the Love of Men, which I will also link Mm -hmm. to in show notes. So in the chapter, The Game is Rigged, they say that most self-help books, in most self-help books, authors try to make people feel empowered and in control and feel really good about their lives. So they leave this chapter out. But acknowledging the large-scale social forces that surround you does not feel good, empowering, or like you're in control. Because when you leave out an entire piece and then someone tries your tactics and goes, why don't I feel better? Why didn't I make more progress? Why did I buy the expensive Audi and my life still sucks? (laughs) Jen Sincero. This is why. So they say it's like looking at the climate. It's where you live and you can't escape it, right? If you're in a snowy place or a rainy place, And you can only change it in teeny tiny increments. But if you don't plan for it, you won't know when to plant and when to harvest. And in this Mm -hmm. chapter, we learn about how women and girls, especially those of color, are systematically excluded from government and other systems of power, how the patriarchy says it doesn't exist, even though it does, Mm -hmm. and that It gaslights us on a a meta level. You took the words out of my mouth, and that if we struggle, (laughs) it's because we aren't good enough, which is gaslighting. And they break down gaslighting again, which is, of course— Someone telling you you're crazy for feeling the things you're feeling that the things you see aren't real when they're very real. So chapter five is all about the bikini industrial complex, which is a $100 billion industry that tries to convince us that our bodies are the enemy. When in reality- Better have a beach body. Get a beach body. Is your body beach ready? Or if you don't if you you don't deserve as much love if you don't drop 20 pounds or 100 pounds or if you don't look young like and thin. If anybody posts a before and after photo on Instagram where the after isn't thinner or more tone or whatever, even though they may be doing it because they feel good about it, 
they are inherently placing better value on certain kinds of bodies than others. Exactly. Exactly. And they say that the bikini industrial complex is itself the enemy. And this yes. this chapter is amazing and completely jaw-dropping. It covers the concept of health at every size and all mm-hmm. of the incredibly misguided science around weight and health. And mm-hmm. I am not going to dive too deeply into this chapter because we have some books coming up that are specifically on this subject which we will we will cover very soon but some highlights of this chapter include that being too thin is more dangerous for you health-wise than being overweight. Being mm-hmm. even five pounds underweight is much more dangerous than being 70 pounds overweight. The mm-hmm. body mass index scale or BMI was created and funded by weight loss companies. It was literally uh, it's also racist. It was it was used to make racial estimates about groups of people. Oh my God. It was literally made. It's a a nightmare. It was literally made by people who have an interest in all of us feeling like we need to lose weight. And yet it's the standard that we've all measured our health and self-worth by for decades. Plus, if you use the BMI, the rock is obese. Yeah. And as we all know, his muscles take up like 30% of the mass of North America. So that can't be right. (laughs) (laughs) And he's saved, like, he saved California from the movie The Earthquake. Like, you know, he's fine. Listen, if there's a big natural disaster happening, he just punches it and it goes away. That's right. Right in the face. It's science. So bias... Damn, Juliet rages. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is gorgeous. (laughs) Bias against people of size for this bullshit, quote unquote, science is more dangerous to our health than the actual size of our bodies. And many of the things we try to do to change our bodies make our health worse. And What I love, again, is that they embrace the contradiction. It is nearly universal, they say, to want to accept your body as it is, but to still have a desire to change it because of our cultural conditioning. You can sit here and go, I love my body because it birthed these beautiful babies, and I wish I had a flat tummy. What's wrong with me? You know, like, why am I stuck between worlds? And one of their solutions is to practice seeing yourself and everyone around you as the new hotness. (laughs) I love that. So you just say like, I am the new hotness. She is the new hotness. That body is beautiful. And to say out loud, that body is beautiful. She is beautiful. And to expose yourself to different kinds of body image and to just really tune into your body's needs. So it's a preview of that chapter, but it's one of the more powerful moments in the book. And an already powerful book. Okay, so if the first part of the book was about ways to stop the bleeding, and the second part of the book was recognizing the real enemy, the last part of the book is all about strategies to gain more ground against burnout. Yes, and grow my... Okay, okay, yes, 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 I see. Gain more ground against burnout, okay. Exactly, so... Not to stab any one single person in the face, but we can talk offline. So connection is a big theme in this book. They say that meaningful connection is as strong a force as any biological need. 
humans are not built to function autonomously. And how many times, Lisa, have we said self-help is a misnomer? No one does anything alone. Oof. It's like we could have written this book. We missed an opportunity. It's not too late. We can stand on the shoulders of giants. Emily, Amelia, (laughs) come on the podcast. So we are <laughs> we are built to oscillate between connection and autonomy and back again. Are you seeing a theme here? None of this is binary. We are all yeah, of this. Yeah, there's no permanent solution. There's no we are meant to be in states of active stress and concentration and back to relaxation. We are meant to be together and then separate. We are meant to love our bodies and question our bodies. It's like, it's I all do, a cycle. It, I listen, you had me at the beginning when it sounded like a freaking rhyme. Active states, active states of what? Concentration. Relax. Active states of concentration back to relaxation. Active states of concentration back to relaxation. Okay. Everybody, I Lisa Linky's right LP there. is dropping in February. <laughs> so scientifically, we are as human beings constantly co-regulating each other without even being aware it's happening. Our heart rates will sync up in the same room. We will pick up on each other's emotions. Think about how- We mirror each other. Yes. All of, and and, uh, it just made me go, reading this book, I was like, no wonder so many of us are freaking out in the pandemic and struggling so much because we are truly built to be together and connected and reinforce each other. And half of the ways of completing the stress cycle are with other people, you know, or eight out of 10 of the ways. And it's like, oh, no wonder we're having such a hard time. Scientifically, we need each other and each other's presence. So that was validating. But certain kinds of connection create energy and renew people. And this happens when trust and compassion are shared and we feel seen and heard and valued. And the authors call this the bubble of love. (laughs) And they talk about how to expand your bubble of love and how to create the bubble of love or reinforce it, stabilize it. And also... Excuse me. Get in the bubble. I'm in your bubble, baby. I'm deep in it. How How do people do that? They make a bubble sound. Yeah, I don't know. They like, and it sounds like a raindrop in a cave. Nope. Thank you. I don't have it. Well, that's okay because you can can get in my your bubbles. Bubble of love. Oh, I see what you did there. So you should also know that sadness, rage, and the feeling that you are not enough are all forms of loneliness. Okay, thank you. (laughs) They're all forms of loneliness. So when you feel these emotions, Misty, reach out and connect, right? Pull an old AT&T commercial, reach out and call someone. I forget how the melody went, but it was like, reach out and touch a stranger with consent. Make Um, this world a better place. Love it. I love it. So the next chapter, to no one's surprise. Or my deep chagrin is all about rest. So okay. they, yep, they debunk Western cultural norms that view rest as weak or a lack of rest as a status symbol or something to be proud of. And they share, yeah. they share science that shows that rest makes us stronger. We are not ourselves without enough rest. And without rest, we literally die. And beyond survival, <laughs> <laughs> what? 
I'm sorry, but for those of you who are listening, I need you to know that Misty's eyes went crazy. We literally die. <laughs> yeah, we do literally die without rest. I love we that. We yeah. literally die. And this is like an hour-long chapter all about how rest strengthens us, the science behind it. I mean, it is stunning, truly stunning. And we've learned a little bit about we learned a lot about sleep and why we sleep by, you know, Dr. Matthew Paul Walker, who's a zaddy, British zaddy. But we also questioned that when the pandemic began because through a capitalist mindset, everything in self-help is framed to become better, more, more it's efficient, to more to be productive. more productive. Uh-huh. Yep. And yeah. the the goal of sleep is simply to rest. Yes. And <laughs> they even say in this book, again, it's not that hard to include caveats that if viewing rest as a way to be more productive gives you more permission to rest, then use that. Lean into it. But also mm-hmm. permission to rest because you need it because you're alive and you're a human you're and it's human as much being. a need as water and food. Yeah. Right? You don't say to an infant, you know what? You've already slept 12 hours. Why aren't you, you should stay doing up something? Yeah. Why didn't you not yeah. write that email? Why are you not walking? Like what? What are we talking about? So we are not ourselves without enough rest. And without rest, we literally die. We literally die. And beyond survival, rest is the first step in listening to and believing your body. It's true. Mm -hmm. So I have not had caffeine in over 20 years, except for the occasional like accidental, oops, this this is a regular or... When I eat a lot of chocolate, I can feel the difference. Or mm-hmm. if I'm driving somewhere and it's I'm getting sleepy, yeah, I use caffeine as a literal stimulant, right? Mm-hmm. But I had, you know, if I had one Diet Coke a day, I'd have 20. I had no knowledge. Yes. So I could not become aware of sleep and my sleepiness. Yeah. And that was the greatest gift. And now I can nap. Like people who say I can't nap, it's like I understand yeah. because we've deprived our body of that hormone that we explained in that episode of, you know, sleep. And it's, I I feel very sad for us. It's actually a lot more than that too. That's absolutely a huge piece of the puzzle. But if you have not completed the stress cycle, your brain will continue to scan for that lion. So if you Mm -hmm. wake up in the middle of the night, if you have trouble going to sleep, and also they encourage you, you know, if you really are having trouble, please go see an MD, you know, and and get Mm -hmm. medical advice. But if you're not completing the stress cycle, you're not going to be able to get restful sleep. You're not going to have enough no, peace to do it. So it's all of this. Yeah. And also I love that they acknowledge that like there are systemic problems that cause stress. You know, like if you are working a minimum wage job that does not provide you health care and does not make ends meet, yeah. you're going to wake up in the middle of the night stressed out about money. And can I tell you, they literally say that. They say, listen, oh my you, God, can- you guys, am I the lost Nagoski sister? The lost Nagoski. Lisa Nagoski. The I love uh, Literally, <laughs> you guys. I am the lost Nagoski sister. You're Lola Nagoski from Big Mouth. That's who I am. So they literally give caveats and examples of, hey, are, do you have a stressful semester and a sick parent you're looking after? Yeah, you'll make do on five hours of sleep. You can make do and get by on less than what your body needs 
but it will actually kill you over time if you don't get enough. It will be a reckoning. Sleep. Yeah, and there's a time for rest and a time for activation, but it if it's this chronic thing, you're just hurting yourself and you're not fully present for the moments of your days. And this it just really I have really needed the radical permission about rest from this book, from Why We Sleep, and from The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. So anybody else— I don't know why me giving you permission, I don't know why that wasn't enough, but three doctors and experts apparently was. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take that And a global pandemic that forced me to confront my demons and stay inside. A time to rest, a time to sleep. A time to eat, a time to rest. Just keep saying rest. (laughs) Okay, so this is the last bit of the book that I'll cover. And here's the real question. So how much rest do we need, Lisa? How much do you think? Enough. Enough. Oh, great. That's science, everybody. On average. Well, it's different for everybody. I can't say. It is, but this is what blew my mind. I keep thinking of rest as like lying down, sleeping, like lying in bed and like meditating, like that's rest. But on average, they say that we need to spend 42% of our time or 10 hours a day on rest. Now, before you freak out or roll your eyes or totally like slam your do you see me radio out? shot? Do you see no, no, no. Me I'm, talk- I'm talking to everyone else because you are a world-class napper. Thank you. Let me tell you a little bit about rest. Well, that just means maybe just not in motion. Well, I'll tell you. By the way, they do say that our bodies will revolt and force us to take the time if we don't. Like Lisa said, there's a reckoning. Like, have you ever gotten a terrible cold the second you finished a project? Always. Yeah. Always. Also, I've never been able to pull an all-nighter because Mm. around 3 3 a.m. my body starts, I, I literally throw up. We've said literally a lot in this episode, which is just speaking to the greater pressure that society puts on us because we're we're justifying our need for sleep. So I'm going to stop doing that and say, my body doesn't do all-nighters. Around 3 a.m., I start to get nauseated. If I don't go to sleep, I start to throw up. I'm so glad we never crammed for an exam together. <laughs> yeah. I just, I realized at 3 a.m., I'm like, if I get a couple hours sleep and get up, I'll feel better and do better. Yeah, exactly. Awake. Exactly. And getting the rest our body needs is an act of resistance against the forces that are trying to rig the game and make us helpless. It's actually Destroy a the empire. It's truly a radical act. No, it is. It is. And yeah. they say reclaim rest and you reclaim sovereignty over your own life. Listen, if you have a pet, you notice how much they sleep and they sleep without guilt. They sleep mm-hmm. without any any feeling bad about it at all. Mm-hmm. And it's really helpful because yeah. they just curl up and nap. Yeah. And when they try to stay awake, it's silly and dumb. And you're like, just go to sleep. And so they give you permission. So everybody, just get a pet. Just get a pet. No big deal. wonder how a goldfish sleeps. That's another episode. Stay tuned. So rest is not just about sleeping. It's about anything that turns on what's called your default mode network. Some people call this daydreaming. Like think about you're like waiting in line to pay for your goods at the store and your mind kind of wanders. Well, we are built to oscillate between work and rest and back again. Again, not a binary. And doing this makes the moments that we're working so much better 
more creative, more productive, more attention-focused. When we drop out of task-focused attention and into neutral, our resting brain isn't doing nothing. It's actually running in the background of our awareness is our default mode network, which is a form of low-grade dreaming. And our default mode network assesses our present state and plans for the future. It allows us to process what's happening around us. And the more fluidly a person can toggle from default mode to intensiveness, the more creative, socially skilled, and happy they're likely to be. So here's what 10 hours a day of rest could look like for someone. Eight hours of sleep opportunity, give or take an hour. 30 minutes of stress-reducing conversation with your partner or friend. 30 minutes of physical activity. Whether you do it with people or alone, do it with the explicit intention of gear switching. And surprisingly, physical activity counts as rest because it helps complete the stress cycle and also helps improve the quality of our sleep. And it gets you into your right brain. You can like really zone out. Yes. 30 minutes of paying attention to food. Now, before you're like, ah, 30 minutes, just know that this includes all meals, shopping, cooking, and eating. And it doesn't have to be all at once. And it doesn't have to be alone. But you have to actually pay attention to your food. So don't listen to a podcast or watch a movie in the background. Like if it takes you 10 minutes to microwave a meal and eat it, pay attention to the food. And then you you have a 30-minute slot left over, and that can be your wild card depending on your needs. So this might be a wind-down routine before bedtime, social playtime, or a buffer for travel or changing clothes or an extra 30 minutes of physical activity if that's what your body needs. Jerk it. Honestly, yes. Let your mind wander and jerk it. It seems like all of these things are like getting you into your body or connecting you to like the animal state of your body, right? Like food or like meditation or, you know, connection, talking to somebody else or, or physical activity yeah. or rest, which is kind and, of nice. Yeah. Like, cause your default mode is processing what's happening around you and how you feel about it. And I don't know about you, but there have been days, especially in the pandemic, where if I've been going too hard that week and really just focusing on task after task after task, I'll wake up in the morning and need to lie there for 30 minutes and stare at the ceiling as my mind wanders and I can't help it. Or like if you've ever been at work and you're like, I know I should be paying attention. We have this big project, but my mind keeps wandering. That's mm, probably your work. I remember. Do you remember that? That was great. Um, I do. Your default mode network is just like forcing itself to try and process, right? So yeah, yeah. the very last chapter is all about self-compassion and your inner critic and gratitude practice that practices that actually work because ones that are like, I'm grateful for what I have don't actually work. It's more about here is a person I'm grateful for. And something that I loved about this chapter is how the authors acknowledge that healing is hard and it doesn't always feel good. I think we think like the second we're on a path to wellness, everything's going to feel better. But they say, think of healing like a broken leg in a cast. It hurts the whole time it's healing. Your legs are sore, your bones are growing, they're refusing together, and they need to be held in a space that's safe, right? This like special space that holds them up. And they end the book by saying that the cure for burnout is not self-care. It's all of us caring for one another. Trust your body, be kind to yourself. You're enough just as you are right now, and your joy matters. 
So that is Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski, PhD, and Amelia Nagoski, DMA. And you can learn more about the book and the authors at burnoutbook.net, which will also be in show notes. Misty, great job. Oh, I feel like I just skimmed the surface. This book is amazing. You've got to read it. I hear it. I'm excited to. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Oh, yeah. For some, for lay something them on new, me. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Did this book need to be written? A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. I, I had a feeling you yeah. would answer that. Because we've never um, been in a state like this in the modern world with these kinds of stressors. And we finally have the science to differentiate stressor from stress and like how women are affected in a different way than men, yeah. you know, yada, yada. So yeah. What did you try to put into practice from this book and how did it affect you or Mm -hmm. did it affect you? A hundred percent. I am now carving out more time for rest and I'm really prioritizing physical activity because I am able-bodied and my body particularly feels good running. I really love to run. It's something that just calms my mind and my heart, even if I don't enjoy the activity itself. And there was one day I was feeling stressed and I was listening to this book and I just went, I got to run right now. Like I got to complete the stress cycle right now and prioritize that instead of assuming every other task takes precedence over my own internal well-being. And by the way, it really helped me to reframe exercise as like a psychological like medicine because Whenever I feel pressured, like, oh, I got to work out so that my body looks a certain way or because I, you know, I am feeling like I don't fit into my pants anymore or whatever, that's never a positive good feeling. That never makes it stick. That makes me feel worse about myself. So like the reframe of like, this is what's so good for your brain really helped. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you feel the authors missed anything? I really don't. I mean, this this really is a self-help book for women, but I think, you know, so they didn't really talk about men in the book, except as yeah, it relates they to the laid patriarchy. Out, like what they wanted to do, and you feel like they delivered yeah, on it. But listen, all the caveats are there. It is intersectional and nothing about it. You know, they they t- they even talk about how rest is a racist, classist issue, you know. So yeah, they really are they're they're amazing. I love them. Oh my gosh. Who would you buy this book for and who would you never buy it for? I would buy this book for every person. Every single person. I think we all need it. And especially, especially women who feel so much pressure to high achieve and be perfect. Or women who feel like they they're not deserving of rest and love or meeting their own needs. 100%. And, and buy it for people who identify as male? Honestly, I would because I okay. think I think understanding how your wife, partner, sister, daughter, spouse, friend, the unique pressures they're under can only mm-hmm. help because this is about caring for each other, right? Yeah. Right? So yeah. if you're like, oh, you're under different pressures than I am, here's a way I can help meet your needs. I think that would be incredible. And who there's nobody I wouldn't for? buy it for. Okay. Listen, I might not buy it for mother or Mike Pence. I don't think that's really their job. For mother. (laughs) Um, Do you you have a listener challenge for uh, the listener to do from the book and for my homework, which we will cover on our deep dive episodes uh, on our Patreon page? 
Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to hear uh, what you're going to say about this because I have a feeling you're going to get real creative. But I want you to try a new way to complete the stress cycle. So I think we all can probably think right away about a couple of things that make us feel better. You know, when we have our kind of, exactly, slashing tires, all of them, all the tires. But I want us all to try something new, even if it doesn't work that well. But you might be like, oh my God, I never realized that I do like dancing in my pajamas or, you know, that Mm -hmm. that getting out a paint set, something that feels really good or doodling for 20 minutes. So I want us all to think outside the box and try it. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm excited to talk about it in our deep dive episodes because those are meant to be more intimate. And yeah, I'm excited to do that. And um, if you want to try this challenge, let us know how it goes. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how this went for you. Or if you want to hear what I did, please join our Patreon so you can mm-hmm. you can see see us talk about this. Cause... And what's really exciting about that is that it's a video chat. So you actually get to yeah. see our faces. Nothing is edited. It is a live conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll be really candid. Oh. So. Misty, yeah. what a great job. Thank you so much for covering this book. I'm really thank, grateful. Thank you. It was so necessary for me. And thank you to the authors. And if you want to buy this book and support the authors, all the links are in show notes. Just a flick and a press. Yeah. And again, we just invite you to check out our Patreon page also in show notes to see how you can help support us if that's of interest to you and see all the cool benefits and tiers that we have available. Yeah. And more importantly, just we want you as our friends, baby. We want more FaceTime. Let's connect. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, may your completion of your stress cycles be Abundance. Bye-bye. Go Help Yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written by the inimitable Matt Sav. Inimitable. There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at gohelpyourselfpodcast on Instagram and at ghypodcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review because it helps other people find our show. You know who else needs to find it? Your friends. Tell all of your friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.